Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. You see, we can't make light of spiritual warfare. It is real. Satan is much more powerful than I am without God. But with God, notice what Hezekiah says, no problem. We're all set. So he didn't minimize spiritual warfare. Don't minimize spiritual warfare in your life. It is real. Now, there's not, you know, a a potter behind every bush or whatever, but it is real. If you've ever encountered a seemingly hopeless situation where it seems like you'll be on the losing end of the battle, think of Hezekiah. When a powerful army comes against Judah, it seems like inevitable defeat. But all it takes is one angel of the Lord to take down a formidable enemy. God is always on our side if we have faith in Him. In our limited reasoning, we can't see how things could possibly work out, but nothing is too difficult for God. If a single angel could annihilate an entire army, think of how the Lord can work in your life. As you'll hear today, he took care of them on every side. He thinks of everything, all those things that you don't. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 32, verse 1, for the conclusion of our message entitled, Plenty to Spare. What does verse 21 say? The end of it that I had you underline. What does it say? And so he prospered. See, people are looking for, give me these, uh, you know, two answers to life. Well, there's some right there. You serve God and you'll prosper. Because the things are right. You have the right motives. You're not trying to do things behind people's back. Mediocrity has destroyed this country. That's why we have to buy cars from overseas that are designed over there. Many other things. Amazing that those of us that started that had to ship it out. Now the excellence comes from across the way. Definitely shouldn't be in the house of the Lord tonight. Thanks for excellence. So he's a wonderful example of our lives. Chapter 32. After all that Hezekiah had done so faithfully, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities thinking to conquer them for himself. Now, when we were back in Second Kings, we remember that Hezekiah, there was a, a contract or a covenant between Ahaz and the Assyrians. And Hezekiah, when he came into his independent reign, he, he broke that treaty. So the Assyrians here, where Shennacherib came from, were known for unbelievable cruelty. When they would take over a country, they would mutilate people. I mean, it was just known. It was known the kind of people they were. They were easily able to demoralize the people. This is one reason there's a famous guy with a whale. You remember him? He didn't want to go to Nineveh because that was the capital city of the Assyrians. And he knew 
He said, God, I'm not going. No, those people torture everybody. Why would you forgive them? He didn't want to go there. So this was the thing. And so Hezekiah knew their history also. And during this time, Assyria had already come and captured many of the people from the northern tribes of Israel and had already taken them into captivity. So here this leader decides he's going to come now to the nation of Judah and uh, begin to try to take it over. So this says this to us tonight. Being in God's will, doing the right thing, living a godly life doesn't eliminate problems in spiritual warfare. Notice what we've just come through, a tremendous revival. Everything's put back in the right place. There's joy in worship. The offerings are coming in. The priests and the Levites are taken care of. The people are worshiping again. And what do we see? The very next thing, boom, warfare. Shouldn't surprise us. Shouldn't surprise you in your personal life. Remember Jesus said back in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So you're going to see some things he did. Does And I just want to remind you, you cannot have a defeatist attitude. As you serve God for a long period of time, there will come a time in your life when I teach on marriage, Linda and I get ready because there will be a time in there where spiritual warfare comes. And, we, you know, the perfect couple is not the perfect couple anymore. And we struggle with things. I know it's coming. Because if I'm defeated, I, what can I really share in confidence as I share the principles of the Word of God? You know, love your wife, and I'm going, <laughs> so I can't do that. Satan knows it. So we have to get those things resolved. We know that's coming. So there may come a time in your life you say, I don't want to get involved in ministry. I don't want to offer it. I don't want to do this. Because I, I know what's going to happen next. It's going to happen anyway. Just be ready. Don't back down. God's with you. So you're going to see here, Jesus said in John 16, you're going to have trouble, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world, and who lives in us but God tonight? So it's going to come. It often comes at the, at the peak. You know, it's this peak. The reason there's peaks is because there's valleys. Very good. Now, I don't like that, but that's true. The reasons there's peaks is because there's valleys. So he wasn't out of God's will. He was doing exactly what he should. Everybody was pleasing. Here comes the enemy. Perfect timing from Satan. Now when Hezekiah saw that Shennacherib had come and that he intended to make war in Jerusalem, I like verse 3. He consulted with his officials and the military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city. And they helped him. This is a family. Our church is a family. We're to function as a team. People are gifted in so many ways. I was thinking about it. So what does Hezekiah do? He says, the war is coming. Let me find out how we best can handle this. That's a team. That's how a church functions. He's still the king, but he knows he can't do it alone. And I know tonight, I certainly can't do it alone. We do it because of you guys. So what happens here? Verse 4, a large force of men assembled and they blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Here was their question. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? So the first step of defense 
was to cut off the water supply outside of the city. As you know, in those days, you didn't walk into 7-Eleven and get you distilled water or whatever. You cut off the water, you destroy an army. This is what happened. Verse 5. Then he worked hard, repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. Remember in those days, a wall, and we'll get, when we get to Nehemiah, you'll understand that better, a wall was the defense. And the walls had been broken. And there was no place really for the towers, for those people that would roll the big rocks down and so forth. So they, what they have to do? He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. So the first step was cut off the water outside. Second step was to rebuild and repair the walls. Third step was to provide weapons for those people. In other words, they're going to fight. They're not going to give in. Verse 6. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Syria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. Now there's some great principles there and I don't have a lot of time tonight, but let me just mention this. Notice when... Hezekiah shares, he doesn't say, well, don't be afraid now, boys. They're just a couple little boys out there with their little rifles and whatever. It's no big deal. Notice what words he used. Vast army. You see, we can't make light of spiritual warfare. It is real. Satan is much more powerful than I am without God. But with God, notice what Hezekiah says, no problem. We're all set. So he didn't minimize spiritual warfare. Don't minimize spiritual warfare in your life. It is real. Now, there's not, you know, a a potter behind every bush or whatever. But it is real. So he warns them, don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. Verse 8. With him is only the arm of the flesh. In other words, this army's coming, but he doesn't have God. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. So the fourth step, very important for leaders tonight, is to encourage the people to always look to God and not the problem. Remember, let me just read to you in Ephesians what it says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. It's an invisible war, but it's always ongoing. So we can't make light of it. I read this, and this is a true story, from Carol Rishner. And I have no idea where Inglis, I-N-G-L-I-S, Florida is. But here she's the mayor of Inglis, Florida. This article said, true story, Carol has had enough of the devil. To officially evict Satan from her community, she has penned the declaration announcing that he is hereby declared powerless in their town. This proclamation hangs on her office wall while four others have been stuffed into hollowed-out fence posts placed along the four entrances to the town. You think that's going to help? I don't think so. I mean, people are strange, aren't they? Now, When you understand what we have in our life tonight, we have God. Just by that verse there, 
where you're at, write two other verses. 1 John 4.4 4 and 1 John 5.4. Let me read them to you tonight. You do children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And the world, remember, is ruled by Satan. This is the victory that hath overcome the world, even our faith. You know, the old wonderful verse from Zechariah, it's not by might nor by power, but my, my spirit says the Lord. So a leader must be an encourager and remind the people, as I'm doing to you tonight, I hope I'm encouraging you tonight, because some of you in this room are going through a difficult time right now. And the enemy is always bringing before you, just like these spotlights were, boom, the problem. You take your eye off the spotlight, you turn your eye to God. Because he who's in us is greater than that. And this is what Hezekiah is trying to say. The guy that's coming after us here only has an arm of flesh. But what do we have? We have God. And it's a spiritual warfare. So you can't fight with that arm of flesh. It has to be fought on a spiritual level. Verse 9. Later, when Shennacherib, king of Assyria, and all his forces were laying siege to Lashish, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. So this Shennacherib is going to try to write this fearful letter and say, you guys want to be afraid now and you just want to, you just want to give in now. We won't have to do any battle. Just go ahead and we'll give in. This is what Shennacherib, king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing your confidence that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? So he's writing this to the leaders and to the people, those that are going to be battling. When Hezekiah says, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, he is misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. Did not Hezekiah himself remove this God's high places and altars, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before one altar and burn sacrifices on it? Do you not know that what I and my fathers have done to the peoples of the other lands were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? Who of all the gods of these nations that my father has destroyed have been able to save his people from me? And how can your God deliver you from my hand? And look at verse 15. Now do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you like this. Do not believe him, for no God or any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand and from the hands of my father. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Would you want to be standing next to Shennacherib? I don't think so. So what, what you see there is basically this. Notice what he's trying to do to the people. He's gone to their minds. The battle is in the mind. So he begins to cause them, they're there, and the only way they're going to win that battle is to operate on faith, what God has said. He's trying to put fear. And he's saying... What your king says isn't going to hold. You have no choice. Look at my history. We've destroyed all of you. This will not be any different. So remember what happens in our lives. That Satan will come and begin battling in our minds. And he'll bring fear instead of faith. 
You're not going to make it. It's too difficult. There's no way out. It's not going to happen. Nobody can do this. You don't want to go that route. You want to come back to the things that God said. Verse 16, And Shennacherib's officers spoke further against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. The king also wrote letters insulting the Lord, the God of Israel, and saying this against him, Just as the gods of the peoples of the other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. Then they call out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who are on the wall, notice, to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world, the work of men's hands. Basically, the world doesn't get it. The things of God, they didn't realize this was the one true God. Just keep your finger there for a moment. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is a reason when we're in a spiritual area, and I'm only talking spiritual now, and I'm not necessarily talking about you know, common everyday things or whatever that the world can give us some wisdom in. This is the reason Psalm chapter 1 says we have to be careful who we get wisdom from. When you're talking about spiritual area, you cannot get wisdom in a spiritual area from a person that does not know God. So this is the danger we find today in counseling. Many Christians are going to counselors who aren't Christian. So in most of the things that they're getting, they're getting unworldly advice. And that's because those people are very smart in psychology, but psychology, unless it's based on the principles of God, is ungodly. And they're not getting the things that are going to truth that's going to change their life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The man, or the woman, without the Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. Because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, Shennacherib thinks that this God is like all the other gods. Because really in the north, they weren't even serving God anymore. He took them over without any problem you're going to see there's going to be a little problem now because these people are really serving the true God. So in our lives, when we come across difficult areas and you need to ask wisdom from somebody, remember, don't sit, stand, whatever, in the counsel of the ungodly. When it's a spiritual issue, now recently I had a trust done or whatever. That, that's fine. You can, I mean, those are the laws and that's just common sense. They can give you common sense things. But when I get to a spiritual area, how I divide that up and so forth, I'm still going to go back to the principles of God. But the legal part was fine. But be very careful, especially in spiritual area of your life, that you're getting counsel from people who don't get it. Now you don't go to people and say, well, you don't get it. They just don't get it. They wouldn't get what you said. Because it doesn't make sense to them. So we're not putting them down because all of us at one time didn't get it. Do you remember? Some of you may be here tonight didn't get it yet. We're praying for you because once God opens your eyes, you'll get it. And see, I can't open a sinner's eyes, but God can. And that's what we're praying for these next few weeks especially. Now, back to verse 20. After they came and gave them this threat, what did King Hezekiah do? Well, he panicked and gave in. No. Verse 20 says, King Hezekiah 
and the prophet Isaiah, oh, son of Amos, did what? They cried out in fear. No, they cried out in prayer. They cried out in prayer to heaven about this. This is a smart thing to do. Spiritual battle, we're to do what? Go to God in prayer. Remember, Ephesians 6.18 says prayer is a deciding force. Now, verse 21. After they went to prayer, with all this threat, with all the people, with all the enemy, this vast army across from them. Verse 21. And the Lord sent, I like this, an angel. Do you see an S there anywhere? One angel. (laughs) I love it. Who annihilated how many? This is amazing, isn't it? We don't understand, and I'll be the first to admit it, we don't understand the power of God. This is one angel. Hey, Job, come over here. Little job. Take a couple minutes. (laughs) What, What is this? I mean, amazing. Amazing. Who annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and the officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he, Shennacherib, withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God... Some of his sons cut him down with a sword. You mock God, be careful. Don't mock God. Don't make light of God. Verse 22, underline the first five words. So the Lord saved Hezekiah. Anytime we're saved, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's not the bands, it's not the this, it's not the whatever, it's the Lord. It's definitely not me, it's the Lord. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Shennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them, this is for some of you that are fearful tonight, this is a word from the Lord for you, and he took care of them on every side. You say they're going to come from the back, they're going to, he took care of them on every side. That's a word of the Lord for some of you here tonight. He took care of them on every side. Relax. Relax. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah. I like that part, king of Judah. You didn't get it. Valuable gifts to the king. All right, all right. I'm joking. From then on, watch what happens. From then on, he was what? Highly regarded by all the nations. Why? Because they then associated this God like no other God. That's what we want to be. That's what we're trying to represent here. And let me just end this with you tonight. We cannot please God without faith. We have to be people of faith. And that means to step out, and it looks pretty tough. We just need to step out. The king of Assyria had such pride, he even insulted the Lord as being equal to one of his useless pagan gods that he had conquered. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah called out to God, knowing that he could defeat the coming army. 
As we heard, all it took was one angel of the Lord to obliterate the Assyrian king and all his men. The king and people of Judah had faith in the Lord, and so should we. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 2287. The title of this message is Plenty to Spare. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 2287, and the title of this message is Plenty to Spare. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we come to the end of Hezekiah's life and reign. You will call out to the Lord as death approaches and receive an amazing gift because of his faith. As Pastor Mark will show us through this passage, we should always pray in faith with an expectation of healing. Then leave the matter to the Lord, who knows best in everything. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of Second Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living.